This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Today is Throwback Tuesday and a a little bit more normal show today. I, I know, though, that this is slightly on the edge um, but today, November 14th, 1851, Moby Dick was first published. And I know that some of you are extremely excited that this is Throwback Thursday. Tuesday. Were, throwback Tuesday. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that you were saying, I was hoping that we'd finally get to Moby Dick. Yeah, <laughs> after, after, after Albert Camus last week, uh, let's get to Moby Dick. Right. Five years of shows. <laughs> We're here. So here is why I am um, at least a little bit fascinated with Moby Dick. I, Full confession, I have never been able to, to, to make it through the novel. I've never read the novel. I became interested in it because of R.C. Sproul. So I fell in love with Reformed Theology in the early 90s and started to read primarily a lot of things that were coming out of of Ligonier Ministries. And and R.C. Sproul was my first real introduction to Reformed theology. And in the course of time, early on, I found out that this was an obsession of R.C. Sproul, that he loved Moby Dick. And he wrote his, I think his undergrad or his master's mm-hmm. thesis on the literary work of and the literary symbolism of, of Moby Dick. Is, am I remembering this correctly? Yes, yeah, something like that. And I think that that's the thing that was really attractive to to him there because um, there is it is a big, heavy novel. I, I would probably recommend the Cliff Notes <laughs> you know, to a lot of people uh, because they won't take the time to read it. But, you know, like if you, you understand different parts of it you know there's for instance the whole captain ahab thing he's he bears the name of an idolatrous king in uh, israel and captain ahab refuses to accept what's been done to him um, by a higher power and rather than accept the loss of his leg and move on with his life he you know he vows revenge on this uh, great whale and he and he's melville is actually showing us how people who refuse to submit to god engage in a hopeless attempt to kill god and have their own will be done in their life you know which explains a lot of atheism i mean have you ever noticed how ex- how upset atheists get about a god who they don't even believe in mm-hmm. and R.C. Sproul um, wrote an article for Table Talk magazine called The Unholy Pursuit of God in Moby Dick. And in that, he talks about the fact that Moby Dick is one of the top hundred books ever written. And that makes me even feel even worse that I can't get through, <laughs> through the book. But his love for the book is about the symbolism. 
And mm-hmm. as Jonathan was talking about, the symbolism of kind of this anger and um, – it's focused against God, really. It is. And, the and whale represents Melville. God. Yeah, for Melville. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, uh, Herman Melville wrote this book, and it was his inspiration for it was actually a true story. And you can read uh, the book by Nathaniel Philbrook, uh, In the Heart of the Sea, the tragedy of the whale ship Essex. And it was a, it was a ship that was taken down by a whale that rammed it in that. And so that was – that was the beginning of that story for Melville, and he just then takes all that and and uses all this symbolic language that brings out um, people's um, angst against God, their rejection of God, the uh, desire to destroy God, and uh, as a result, you know, Ahab ends up destroying all the lives around him. He's, he's when you do this in life when you when you reject God you end up destroying the lives around you and Melville is depicting that so there's a quote in this article RC Sproul says this I believe that the greatest chapter ever written in the English language I mean that that is a that is a statement is the chapter of Moby Dick entitled the whiteness of the whale Here we gain an insight into the profound symbolism that Melville employs in his novel. He explores how whiteness is used in history and religion and in nature. The terms he uses to describe the appearance of whiteness in these areas include elusive, ghastly, and transcendent horror, as well as sweet, honorable, and pure. All of these are descriptive terms that are symbolized in one way or another by the presence of whiteness. In this chapter, Melville writes, and then he goes on to say. But then R.C. Sproul concludes the article by saying, read Moby Dick, and then read it again. I have to say that I just have to try to get the first part of that done, (laughs) to read Moby Dick. So we all have some homework, or at least you and I, maybe. Um, I'm not sure I'll ever get to the read it again part. (laughs) But it did make me think and just wonder, are there books in your library that you've read over time that are non-Christian, so this is not a Christian book. Melville was not a Christian. Are there books in your library that you have read that you have profoundly influenced you that were non-Christian books that you would say, read the book and then read it again? Les Mis, Count of Monte Cristo would be two classic books that I would recommend. And it's interesting, I have not read either one of those either. They're both on my my to-read list. Um, and I yeah, would assume. I, I am, let me let's just go back to Jonathan ways. real quickly on those. And I'm assuming that both of them are for the redemptive elements within right, the books, right? And, and they're good. They're good reads for one. You know, get the abridged of Les, Les Mis because I mean it'll still be like five six hundred pages. So that's the only way I've read it. But but the storyline are good. You know, in in Les Mis, the you know there's a man who's redeemed himself who was a thief and then there were people who couldn't accept that redemption and uh, they people can't change and then in uh, the count of monte cristo it's it's a story of a man who tries to get vindication after he's been abused and uh, in the end he realizes that you know vengeance belongs to the lord so the count of monte Monte Cristo is my next to read. So I just mm-hmm. purchased a, a, a book, the book, and it is my next novel that is on my to read list. So 
it is still outpacing Moby Dick on my to read list. No, yeah, and novels are wonderful things. You know, I mean, you know, I I read them you know, when I read them. I read them like I'm taking a vacation. It it takes my mind somewhere else. It uh, it occupi- preoccupies it. I'm not necessarily looking for the redemptive story, but every good story, as G.K. Chesterton said, is a redemption story. You know, mm-hmm. you have this problem uh, that gets resolved. You know, so. That's the, that's the beauty of reading a good novel. I always try to have a novel going at, at any given time and a biography going at any time in addition to the other reading that I'm doing. So I'm going to show my youthful, probably, exuberance um, and pop culture and relevance. Uh, but uh, there's a book by a guy named Elliot Megan um, called Kingdom Come. It's actually a, a novel that comes from out of the comic book world, but it, it's actually about a... Uh, a disillusioned pastor and a disillusioned Superman and how both find their redemption through the end of the story. But one's disillusioned by grief at the loss of his wife. And so he just goes through the motions of, of ministry without really having any passion for God. And then after a great world tragedy, Superman becomes disillusioned. And so you have this force for good and spiritual co- care, which, which through the events of the story become intertwined and, and both find their redemption and recommitment to be a force for good and a force for God. Yeah, I just, I just, my, my lack of culture is, is showing. I, uh, the books that, that, there really isn't a book that I've recommended some books, but there isn't really one that I've read, like a non Christian exclusively, where I'd be like, yeah, read that and read that again and again. But there are books that I've given a caveat to. Michael Crichton is a favorite author of mine, if that paints a picture of the guy who wrote Jurassic Park and all that. But yeah, I was, Right now, I'm reading uh, the best of Father, uh, best of G.K. Chesterton, and in there, these Father Brown mysteries. And uh, Father Brown is a Catholic priest, and he solves all these murders and different things. And part of the reason that he's able to do it is he explains is that in his heart he is a murderer. So all he has to do is think about the sinfulness of his own heart <coughs> and how that would have been done and accomplished, and he's able to do this. There's no forensics that is helping him in this regard it's just knowing humanity being a student of the heart it's kind of an interesting little observation that's being made there i think there is one that i'll i'll uh change the the requirement here it is a christian series but i'm rereading uh this present darkness and then piercing the darkness by Pretty. By Pretty, yeah. I just I had his name and it just Frank went, left my mind. Frank Pretty. I, you know, don't copy his, his theology on, you know, Angelicos and demonology, but what I find intriguing about them and helpful is it does remind us that we are in the midst of a spiritual war mm-hmm. and that spiritual war is going on around us and demons are real. They do have an agenda to fight against uh, God and his anointed and yeah attack his people and and there are influences in our culture and i so i think yeah then in the way he writes is is such a vivid paints as a vivid picture in your mind that i think those books are are good reminders it's of a, the it's warfare a scriptural principle we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers of mm-hmm. this era so for me, I, I'm maybe a little bit in the the Ryan category i would actually have said this present darkness i i there's a novel by R.C. Sproul, Johnny Come Home, that mm. I have read so many times. The Narnia series, I, I've lost count mm. of how many times I've read those books. I do still like Tolkien and The Hobbit and Fellowship of the Rings, the whole series. Mm. 
The Binding of the Blade, I have read twice. I will plan on reading it again, I'm, I'm sure. I'm reading that with my kids right now. I just have found that to be such a, a help. I'm just in some of my thought process about just the resurrection. Um, mm-hmm. But there is one non-Christian novel that I've read numerous times, and I don't know what it is that draws me back to this book, um, but it's S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders. And maybe yes. that's a weird book to no, – no. There's something about um, the story about a kid that's raised in an environment that should make him hard and calloused, but it doesn't. It's the redemption story that we talk about, you know, the good story that resolves. And there's this great line in there where his best friend is dying, and he says to his friend, stay gold. Yep. And what he's saying is don't, don't allow the hardness of this world to make you hard and calloused. And I, I I often think about this in the life of Joseph. Here you have a guy that should have been hard and calloused. And almost every time you encounter him, he's crying. And he, he he always remained tender. But I think he remained tender because he 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 always lived life from a God perspective. So I, I, I don't know, maybe there's not a redemptive quality to the outsiders, but there is something about the book that keeps drawing me back um, to want to read it again and again. But There is one book that I, I thought of called, it was made into a movie. The movie isn't nearly as good as a book, but the book, book was, I thought was excellent and called The Giver. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. uh, about a dystopian society that on the surface, it looks great. Everything's wonderful. But then as the book progresses, you see the underlying issues. And it's just a good commentary on just the, the hopelessness of a world without God or Christ. Well, you have been listening to the gospel for life and hopefully you have found at least a little bit of helpfulness in thinking about Moby Dick and other literary works. And we'll see you tomorrow.